0: Welcome to the NC Students podcast. NC Students is the middle school and high school ministry of Northland Cathedral in Kansas City, Missouri. For more information on NC Students and Northland Cathedral, please visit www.northlandcathedral.org. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy this week's message. That's awkward. Um, but this is week two, and I got a question before we start this message. I got I to ask, I can take a poll here. What's the name of my youngest son? What's the name of my youngest son? Ebenezer. Ebenezer. My youngest son is named Ebenezer, but do we call him Ebenezer? No. What do we call him? (sighs) Who says Benny? Raise your hand. Who says Ebenezer? Raise your hand. Or who says Ben? So Ben's are absolutely winning. Now, here's the deal. I woke up to an email from a friend and I can, there's a whole conversation there, but the email said, Jerome, you are the only one in your family who calls your son Benny. And I'm like, what? He's five years old and I'm the only one who calls him Benny. Now here's the deal. I, looked, I asked Heather, I was like, Heather, so for 45 minutes today, this morning, before our, my boys went to school, Holly wasn't there. Holly, what do you call him? Hollywood Holly was already at school, so I had three boys. I had three boys. I said, hey, come down here and talk to us. What's your name? What's his name? What do we call him? And overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, the answer was Ben. And Hawk looks at me, and he's like, um, and, and Benny? But here's the deal, and you don't know this, but if you were there, if you go on Facebook and go way back about five years ago, right, when we first came to this church, came back from the mission field, when Ben was born, the day before I started back at Northern Cathedral, you'll see all the pictures say Benny Here's a picture of Benny. So the people who call him Benny are the old people, because you know his name is Benny, because we agreed, we agreed that we're gonna call him Benny, and everybody else has shifted to Ben. Oh just in case you didn't hear that. Ben went to a different preschool. Benny went to a preschool. Decided that he wanted his name to be Ben. And apparently, I'm a terrible listener. Which is actually in my notes. Why? Because I talk. And I don't listen carefully. And I don't listen well. And I knew when I said that, my wife was going to say amen. But since she already beat me to the punch and told me I'm a terrible listener, she doesn't have to amen my own admission that I'm a terrible listener. Because the the truth of the matter is, my whole family calls him Ben. He wants to be called Ben. And I keep calling him Benny because we agreed upon it, but I'm okay moving there, but I just I just figured, like, how did I miss this for the last two or three years? It's not a terrible listener. I like to talk. Also, I listened to yesterday, uh, last Wednesday sermon, and my wife was nice enough to mention how Jerome talks a lot and talks fast, so I listened to that. Thank you for that. I like to talk, and, and, and here's the problem with that. Sometimes I miss hearing my kids, my wife. My friends, life is so busy, there's enough distractions that we miss things. And I think if we continue to live a certain way, we're used to living a certain way, talking more than listening, we take that into our walk with God. You see, in John chapter 10, Jesus talks about how he's the good shepherd and how the sheep know his voice. And they hear him and they, they, they know when he speaks. And he has this, this whole teaching about he's the gate and the shepherd, you know, But my sheep hear my voice, they know my voice, bothers me because we're talking about prayer in this series, and let me be honest with you, most of my prayer life, most of my Christian life, I feel like I've done a lot of talking, and I don't think I've done a whole lot of hearing his voice. Like there's moments where I'm super excited, enthusiastic about what's going on. Last week, Heather reminded all of us in the message that God loves you and he wants to spend time with you, right? Right? He loves you. He wants to spend time with you. So that's a need to pray. And we could get excited. We can get emotional. We can be reminded of his love and how much he wants to be with us. But if you're like me, that begins to wear off when you begin to pray and you don't hear God. And my prayer becomes less about inexpe- expecting to hear God, but more about, I checked this off my list. Did you do your devotions? Yes. I read my Bible and I prayed. Check. There's not an excitement to it, there's not an anticipation to it. It's because I've grown used to just the religious obligation of prayer, monologue prayer, me talking, but not listening. It seems like a dry exercise, and I don't know if I'm the only one in the room who's not enthusiastic about prayer sometimes. I get enthusiastic, I get excited, then I try it, and then I begin to lose my excitement. Does anyone else feel the same way? get excited, but then you're like, what's the use? And we begin to get discouraged and don't expect much, but I know I should pray. But today we're going to talk about what can make a difference when it comes to that. Uh, If you have your Bibles, we're going to go right back to where Heather led us last week, Psalm 139. Can I just say before we do that, Psalm Psalm 139 is an incredible passage and you 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 heard it all last week. But there are hundreds and hundreds of examples of God speaking to his people in scripture. Hundreds of examples. Some of the most famous ones are Moses at the burning bush, Balaam and his donkey speaks to him. There are so many examples that are dramatic and like you would say, okay, Jerome, if there was a burning bush, I would listen. There was a donkey talking to me, I guess I would listen, gets pretty dramatic. But there's plenty of examples where we don't know exactly how God spoke, but his people heard his voice. There was a letter written by the apostles in Acts chapter 15 about Gentiles and what that meant when God brought them into the fellowship, you know, this early early church. And they said this, they said, it seemed good to us, seemed good to the Holy Spirit. They didn't give us an example of, well, how do you know it was good to the Holy Spirit? Did he like, was there a burning bush? No. And there's a number of times where we see God speaking and that doesn't necessarily tell us what the means was what we know is his people hear his voice and that's what's understood so uh, psalm 139 let me let me let me just summarize this because to be honest with you i'm getting to the last two verses of this thing it's a long it's a long psalm and heather read the thing last week he starts off with God. You know me. You've searched my heart. You know my inward parts. You know the things that are all true about me. He says, "I can, I can't escape from your presence. I could go to the heavens. You're there. I could go down to the depths of the sea. You're there. I could go to darkness, and it could surround me. But darkness to you is like light, because you, nothing is hidden from you." He says, "You formed me in the womb. You, you, you wove me together. You were there in the beginning. You know all of my days. Nobody knows me like you. You know me better than I know myself. Essentially." So this great confession of what God knows, this understanding that God knows everything, but then he ends Psalm 139 with these words, which seems almost not a good fit. God, you know everything. So in verse 23 of Psalm 139, he closes with, search me, O God. Well, why, why'd you have to search me? Why search me? He already knows, right? But the psalmist is saying, search my heart, God. You know everything, but go ahead. Penetrate my heart check me out. Diagnose me. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there's any grievous way, or maybe you have another translation that says a crooked way, or, 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 or. see if there's anything that's, that's not right in me and lead me into the way everlasting. And you read that and you're like, okay, he just talked this, all this beautiful language about being woven in the womb and not, not being able to hide from God's presence, but yet he closes with this, with this request. Search me, God. Examine my heart and my life. And why would, why, would he, why would he say that? Other than, it's an invitation for God to speak to him. There's an absolutely an invitation to say, God, search my heart. Not just search my heart so that you know. Search my heart and whatever you do with it, whatever. But there's a search my heart and then guide me in the past, it requires us to listen. It requires us to hear from Him to examine our motives, our attitudes, our thoughts. This is not the sermon. It's not even in my notes, but can I just remind a bunch of church kids that sin is not bad actions, but it's a rebellious heart and spirit. And it's out of there that we find sin. It, It fleshes out in other ways. But it's, what's happening in our heart first and foremost. And Paul, and and the psalmist, not Paul, is saying, David is saying, search me, God. You see, there's a request there that says, God, would you search me? And then would you speak to me? The things that are not pleasing to you, would you show me? The things that are, the the, the way that I should go, would you show me? There's, There's a, well, Matthew chapter 7 in the, the, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, you guys are familiar with this? Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, seek, knock. When you knock, the door will open. When you ask, you get an answer. When you seek, you will find. There is something about asking God to do something and Him following through and doing it. An expectation and a trust. And the same thing happens in prayer. The same thing happens when we ask God to speak to us See, the dry religious obligation of prayer that makes me not want to pray gets blown up when we come in expecting and realizing and trusting and knowing that God will speak to us. There's one point, and there's no slide today because my back hurts, but it's this, and I want you to know this, and if you tweet something out, tweet this, that God wants to talk to you about your life, but you're not going to hear him unless you listen. Heather said last week in her introduction, this series on prayer is going to kind of turn, challenge our assumptions or our practices or what we're used to when it comes to prayer. The monologue prayers of all my life when I'm telling God what I want or what I need or what I think or why I'm not happy. I can still go to Him with all of that. But i got to find an opportunity for Him to speak. Going back to that John chapter 10, the Good Shepherd story where he says, my sheep hear my voice. It reminds me of uh, this past Christmas. We went to South Carolina to my brother's house, my banker brother, who has a three-story house. And and my sister-in-law was like, yeah, your whole family could have the third floor. I'm like, oh, thank you, Sac Mansion. Uh, So his butler brought my stuff up to the room. No, my kids brought the stuff upstairs. My back was about to hurt. Uh, And so, I'm gonna gonna throw my back out in three weeks. You need to carry the stuff up the stairs. And it was like, what, 17 steps for each flight of stairs? Yeah, so um, my brother has four girls, and the ages are kind of like my kids' ages, or like every two years, and then his kids fit like that, except for the oldest, except for the oldest in my family, too. They all throw the curve off. So they're playing in another room, and and down the hallway, about a quarter of a mile where the kids are playing, it's not that big of a house, you would hear someone yelp, or cry, or whine. And I would be in the room with my brother and my sister-in-law and my wife. And I'd be like, uh-oh, who's that? That's my, that's my, that's my kid. And they're like, no. And, and the moms, because my brother is a terrible listener too, the moms, Heather, my sister-in-law, would be like, no, that's this kid. Is that our kid, honey? No, that's their kid. Because they know the voice of their children. Because they've grown accustomed. like Jesus says, my, my, my sheep know my voice. They know when I speak, when, you, when you're continually in relationship and in fellowship, when you're continually putting yourself in a place where you want to hear God, when you're, when you're positioning yourself to listen, you begin to recognize the voice of God. You begin to expect to hear the voice of God. Like I know God has spoken to all of us in this room. I, 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 would, I would venture to believe that at certain times and at certain moments. And I'm going to be honest with you, there are seasons where there's there's desert dry seasons where it seems like God's silent for one reason or the other. Can Can I make a confession? In my own life, I've looked at desert seasons as real spiritual highs, like, man, I'm suffering for Jesus. He's not speaking to me. Look how much he loves me. And I've celebrated that. But I've almost used that as an excuse to say, okay, this is the norm where God doesn't really speak except for once in a while at youth camp. Or when I'm really, really sad and in my room crying alone, maybe God will speak then. But for the most part, he doesn't speak. And I've settled for less than what God really wants. God has something to say to you. He wants to talk to you about your life. But you're not going to hear him unless you listen. There are dry moments, but I think that's the exception, not the norm. Let me say one more thing before we, and I'll be honest, this is going to be brief, because here's what I would like to do. I'd like to end and have time for you to listen find a spot while we sing these next few songs and listen. Can I say that God does want to speak to you and he wants to talk to you about your life, but sometimes we have to change our expectations when we approach him. He's probably not going to tell you your future as much as you want to know your future. As much as you could ask him about what am I supposed to do, who am I supposed to marry, where am I supposed supposed to go? He might not tell you exactly what you're asking for, but he'll tell you what you need. And little tiny things, day by day, what I need for today the changes I could make today, the attitude I could have today, those things add up. It's like star baseball players and musicians don't just live for the moment of glory, but they don't get to that place until they have faithful, plodding, day in and day out of practice and dedication and discipline. And some of that requires, some of that's required for us to hear his voice and to know him, for him to do what he wants to do. Not too long ago, I I was sitting in two chairs, much like, Heather demonstrated last week. I set up a chair. The room right above us is where I go and pray during staff time, office hours. Um, and I asked God a question. I said, God, could you, could you resolve this issue? Could you fix this thing? Could you let this, I don't know, something's got to give. And he didn't answer the answer that I wanted. He didn't give me the answer, but I, I'm, I promise you, I sat there and I waited And for a guy who likes to talk, a guy who's a terrible listener, I'm spending time trying to hear the voice of God. In that moment, which seems awkward and weird at first, I believe the Lord spoke to me and he said, Jerome, wake up every day, sit in two chairs, and surrender that issue to me. It's not the answer I wanted. He didn't say, yes, it's going to be resolved. Yes, this is what's going to happen. Here's what's going to take place. He just said, surrender it. Each day, wake up and surrender your life and your will and your angst to me. Not the answer I was looking for, but God is speaking, so how can I complain if I'm convinced that God said that? I got an answer from God, which is pretty great, even though it's not the answer I was hoping for. I don't know exactly what I was hoping for. I was just expressing where I was, and he spoke to me about my life. And the funny thing is, he spoke to me about my life. Because it seems like God is really far more interested in fixing us than he is our problems. Like he's interested in your problems. He's interested in your struggles. He's interested in those things. But I find that he works quite often in changing us. And as he changes us, those things begin to change. So for the last few weeks since that prayer in two chairs, I began to wake up this past week, I did it in bed. I woke up and said, God, I, I'm going to surrender that concern, that thought, that problem. Since I've done that, God has begun to change other things. I didn't have to do much. I didn't, have to, I didn't have to push. I didn't have to... I was faithful to what God told me to handle what I need to handle and allow Him to handle what He is going to handle. It's not manipulating. It's just obeying. And God honored that obedience. You hear what I'm saying? So let me give you a couple of practical things. If, if it's true that God wants to talk to you about your life, if it's true that you're not going to hear him unless you listen, God has wants to talk to you about your life, you're not going to hear him unless you listen, then, how, then what should you do? You need to pray to listen. Go to prayer, which we're going to do here in a moment, but go to listen. Uh, the book my wife referenced, the Two Chairs book, we've, I've only owned it for about two months, and it's radically changing my life. Let me, let me share a little bit about the practical side of sitting in two chairs and praying to listen and why that's so different than the monologues that I've prayed all my life that wore me out and probably wore God out who wanted to say something but couldn't get a word in. you got to set aside some time. It's not difficult to do this, but it requires a little discipline. You have to say, okay, I'm going to dedicate the next 10 minutes to be with God. The next 30 minutes, the next 15 minutes... I'm going to set this time aside. Maybe it's just 10, but maybe you'll find yourself there longer, but I'm going to dedicate myself to pray and try to reduce distractions. I literally set up another chair and try to visualize Jesus there. And it's weird at first. Don't get me wrong. And yes, he's sitting in the chair, but he's everywhere because he's omnipresent. And omniscience. No, I'm, that, I'm sorry. I'm uh, Omniscient. <laughs> but I... I try to visualize him there, and when I can visualize him there, it changes what I say. It changes how I say it. It changes my approach, because he is there. But it just helps me remember that he's there. And all of a sudden, my prayers become so much more real than just a religious obligation. I'd encourage you to read Scripture as part of this time, maybe beforehand, so you can prepare your heart because quite honestly, God has already spoken to you through his word. And as you see him, and you, as you pray to listen, oftentimes he'll bring back his word. Last week before I threw out my back, I had like the most mar- marvelous spiritual mo- moment. I woke up at five in the morning for, no ridic- for some ridiculous reason. And I'm upstairs in this room above us at like 5.30 in the morning. And I'm sitting in two chairs, and I'm listening, and God brought scripture to my heart. I opened up to that passage of scripture, and I began to pray Those words were true of me. I I, I can't tell you. I hope it comes through that that God's doing something in my life personally that I wish I could have shared with you years ago. I'm sharing with you now. God wants to speak to you about your life, but you're not going to hear him unless you listen. Set aside that time. Hear his word, because oftentimes he brings it back to you. Um, and here's the, here's the kicker, and here, this comes straight out of the book, and here's what I've tried to do, and I'll be honest with you, I fail, because I like to talk and I'm a terrible listener. For every one minute you pray, let God know your day, your concerns, your burdens, your disappointments. For every one minute that you talk, sit in silence for four, waiting for him to talk. Do we need to demonstrate that right now? Because that will be super awkward. <laughs> One minute of talking, and there's no magic for me. That's not scripture. That's just a recommendation from this guy. I find myself going about two minutes before I have a reason to talk. I need to let God know how smart I am, you know? But try it. Go 50-50. God, I'm going to talk for 60 seconds, and then I want to listen. Or I dare you to go. Try to go four minutes in his presence. and See if you don't hear his voice. Because God wants to talk to you about your life. But you're not going to hear him unless you listen. Pray to listen. Let me give you a, just a, a, a pro tip. And I think I'm going to start doing this myself because I'm preaching it. I used to do it when I was, when I was, when I, when I was a teenager who loved Jesus. Um, I'm more of a cynical, jaded old man now. But when I was a teenager who loved Jesus, when I sat where you sat, I used to journal. I have in my office little spiral-bound notebooks from the 90s. And you see all oh, this writing. But I've never, I didn't do it this way. Here's an idea. Take, take, your, take, take a, a binder and write out your requests, write out your prayers, your concerns. Then sit and listen. And when God speaks, take another colored pen and write the answer of what God said to you. Because I promise you, three weeks down the road, you're going to have to remind yourself. And what an encouragement that God answered and he was faithful. And you can look back and say, look how God responded Sometimes you need to be reminded that God's or what God's already said. And then as you build a notebook of answered prayer, even if it's not the answer you're looking for, even if its answer is like shut your mouth and surrender your life, even if it's those kind of answers, you can approach him with confidence that he's, he wants to talk to you about your life. And you'll hear him if you listen. Let me close with this. Just how do I know that I'm hearing God. That's difficult. My sheep know my voice. And when this is all kind of new, when we get away from the dialogue of prayer, but to actually pray to listen and we're treading on new ground, how do, we, how do we know if we've heard God? How do we know it's just not our thoughts and our hopes and dreams? Because oftentimes it might be. How do we know it's not something I ate or, you know, why do we always go to that? Don't we, it's always so something I ate. It's bad pizza. <laughs> um, let me, give you, let me give you real quick tips on how do you know if God's spoken to you? First of all, is be humble enough to admit that you could be wrong, that you're fallible, and take what you think God has told you and go to a mature believer who's grounded and knows the Lord and say, hey, I think God said this to me. What do you think? That's why we have more than just Jerome down here. We need some mature, grounded leaders. That's why these people are sharing their life with you. Check it with somebody, even your friends or peers, if you respect them and their discernment. Ask the question, does this, does this thing that I, that I believe God told me, does it exalt Christ? Because if it doesn't exalt Christ, you're pretty sure it's not God. It's like, God, I have this problem with my friend. My friends have just turned their back on me, and I'm, I feel all alone, and I'm sad. What should I do about it? You should smear them on social media. That's probably not God. Because God's not going to tell you something that's not honoring to him. God, I I, I feel I, I want to go to this school and I, I don't know that I can figure out how to pay for it. What am I supposed to do? He's not going to tell you to rob a bank. Doesn't exalt Christ. Does it exalt Christ? Does it agree with Scripture? Does it line up with what is true? Like I said, oftentimes, is it Scriptural it is a huge test. He's not going to contradict himself. I want the band to come up at this time Let me close just by asking for you to imagine with me and dream with me what it might be like to hear God in a way that maybe it's been a long time. Maybe you've given up hope of actually having a relationship that was that alive. Maybe you had it at one time. Maybe there's been glimpses and windows and moments where God seems so real and so present and so there with you. But somehow we've settled for less. We lost the expectancy that God wants to meet with us. We've gotten used to hitting the check mark I have prayed today. I've complained to God. Or I've asked of God. He wants you to ask ask, seek, knock. But then wait for Him to respond because He wants to speak to you about your life. You're not going to hear Him unless you listen. You're not going to hear what He has to say to you when it comes to your drama with your friends or your your tense relationship with with your parents or the heartache you feel over a loss unless you stop and listen. Let me repeat it one more time. Very likely, God's not going to give you the answer you exactly want which oftentimes our prayers are, God, fix this for me and make this better. I want to be more comfortable. But what he's doing is he's fixing us, changing us. And as we change, things change, relationships change, our perspective changes. Our hope quotient rises. If those things happen, the circumstances and the issues that are weighing us down that we come to him with, we begin to see those in perspective. They begin to kind of like lose their grip and hold on us. As we sing these next two songs, I want to invite you to do something that we started doing about six months ago, maybe even longer. We're going to dim the lights. I'm going to invite you guys to find a place to pray. Some of you want to stand and sing. You're totally welcome to do that. But would you take the next 120 seconds, the next 240 seconds, go talk for 60 seconds to God and sit in his presence. Tell him what your fears are, your concerns, your hurts. And say, God, I don't know what to do with this. But I know that you want to talk to me about my life, about who I am, but how I should live, about how much you love me. Let me hear it from you. He'll give you what you need to hear. Some of you need to hear again, once again this week, that he loves you. And you may pray, God, my world is falling apart. And his answer will be, I am here. And I know you might be saying, I want God to say, I'm going to fix everything. I don't know what God's going to say. But if God says it, that's a pretty good thing. But you're not going to hear unless you listen. So in the next few moments, whether you want to journal and pray, whether you want to just find a pl- quiet place to sit, and if you'd like to engage in worship and sing these songs, I invite you to do so. I'm going to close this message in prayer that I'm going to invite you to go find a place to listen.